So I had three choices for the macaroons, and I could do chocolate almond, okay. strawberry lemon, or apricot. And Ooh. can you guess which ones I picked? I'm going with the citrus, of course. Of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Who am I talking to? Of course, a citrus. But where are you finding these variations? Oh, at Left Bank, my local French bakery that I still love and patronize on a regular basis. And as you know, macarons are something I'm not going to attempt at home no. again. So I'm right. more than happy to purchase them at the bakery. Remember when I tried to bake those chocolate ones? <laughs> Well, I sent you the hot pink macaroon mat, right? And so. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Should we be recording this? <clears throat> Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Stefan Cohn in London. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. It has been a while since we celebrated the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. So today, let's see what we've been missing. We've whipped up this special one-off episode to chat about what we've been up to in and out of our kitchens, some cookbooks that have caught our eye, and some recipes that are perfect for the cozy baking season. So put the kettle on and get ready for some extra special sweet talk. Stefan, I am so excited to be here with you and getting caught up. This is so much fun. It feels like a lot of time and also no time at all. You know, it's um, it's one of those magical things I think about being friends with you is that we can just kind of pop back really easily. And that's fantastic. It's so true. And I hope our listeners feel the same way and they're able to just pop us back into their earbuds and hear what we have to say. So let's hear what's been up. What's new for you, Stefan? I'm still here in London, which might be a surprising thing for some listeners because, of course, when I moved here back in 2017, we were pretty sure it would be two years and then we'd be back in Seattle. But lo and behold, here we are. We've started our fifth year with no signs of going back. We are still really, really loving it here and we are in a new house. So I'm actually in a new recording space. That's something fun about recording this special episode as well. And I'm, of course, baking in a new kitchen, getting used to all of that. And I'm back with a gas stove, which uh. loyal listeners will remember I really missed. <laughs> I had an induction. It caused some issues. And I'm back with a gas stove. <laughs> I mean, we won't say you moved houses just to get the gas stove. But no. let's be honest, it was a big bonus. It was a big selling point for me. <laughs> the kitchen actually here, Andrea, is great. And it has so much counter space. And it's very large for a London kitchen. So I'm really, really loving that aspect of it and the whole house in general. So that's maybe the biggest London thing that's different. What else? I've started a master's program. I'm getting my master's in creative writing. So that has been really huge for me and a ton of fun. Ugh. Just absolutely exactly what I wanted. It's been really exciting to, to go back to school. Well, you and I are both what we call lifelong learners. Yeah. I know we both love school. We both, oddly enough, love homework. And <laughs> when you told me you were going back to school, I was so jealous because I immediately thought of the supplies mm -hmm. that might be needed and that there Absolutely. would be some shopping for school supplies. So 
Yes, very jealous. Can't wait to see what comes out of that program. I love your writing, as you know. Aw. It's going to be super exciting to see what you learn in there and what you end up producing or, you know, if you produce nothing but have a great time. I think that's great too. Yeah, it's been great so far. And to your point about school supplies, I have five different colored highlighters. So, you know, I've got my homework just like, (laughs) okay, is this purple for next week? Is this blue for to do? Is this green? Yeah, I'm I'm loving it. (laughs) Color coding extraordinaire. Hey, Andrea, though, we saw each other for the first time in a really long time because For the first time in two years, I was able to get home to Washington State. Loyal listeners, you may have seen because we did post a picture of our reunion. Reunion with Pear Pie. Yes, that was so much fun. And I really appreciate you making some time for me. And it was fun for our families to see each other. And of course, Stefan, I thought you and I looked exactly the same and our husbands looked the same. But boy, those kids, they've sure grown, (laughs) haven't they? I think actually we looked younger, Andrea, so. Yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what I meant. (laughs) Well, and thank you for hosting us. And then, of course, for making a delicious pear pie. And we kind of said, you know, it's it's not especially seasonal because we were there in July. But you know what? It was exactly what we were craving. And, of course, is one of our favorite pies from the last 200 episodes. So how could we not celebrate our reunion with the pear pie? Yes, I almost did blueberry because those were definitely in season. But yeah. I think here in the Pacific Northwest, we get good pears all year round. So I was still happy yeah. with my pear quality and I thought it turned out really well. It was delicious. Andrea, tell us what's been going on for you. Let's see. Well, I am working full time from home here in my podcast studio, which I have (laughs) turned into an office, (laughs) aka my bedroom. So that's a lot of fun. I have a great team that I work with and I'm recruiting full time. So that's keeping me very busy um, because I think worldwide, we are in a situation where there's a lot of jobs and not necessarily a lot of people to fill those jobs. So it's been a fun and challenging time. Okay. I have a daughter who is driving Oh my God. So I spend a lot of time on the roads in a very tightly clenched um, position, <laughs> anxious <laughs> position in the passenger seat. And uh, shortly after this episode comes out, I would just like to tell anyone listening in Olympia, Washington to, you know, just be a little extra careful on the roads <laughs> if you don't mind. And uh, be aware if you see a, a green Subaru, <laughs> you might need to slow down or speed up accordingly. In a related note, my husband has recently earned his British driver's license, so I guess we both have new drivers in the house. Were, were you also in a tightly clenched position in the passenger seat? No, he's, he's, it's, he's very good. So He's an excellent driver. He just had to take the refresher because, you know, technically he'd been driving for 30-some years, so just, you know, switching right. the other side. Yeah. So, oh, well, that's, that's good times. That's a big milestone. Yeah, it's exciting. I have been spending a lot of time in the kitchen, but I haven't been doing as much baking. You know, we we started our show because we both love to bake and we love yeah. to chat with each other. Having the show gave me a structure and forced me to bake. I mean, I use the word forced loosely. <laughs> it just kept me to a schedule. And once that schedule went away, you know, I found that I would, and of course, at the same time we had the pandemic, so I just wasn't baking for, you know, potlucks and school events and that sort of thing. So I just found my baking fell off a little bit, but my kitchen time did not fall off. And I've just been experimenting with a lot of different cuisines, and my husband is still really into his projects. He's into fermenting peppers and making his own hot sauce, and I'm still going on the sourdough bread, so... 
we still have a lot of things happening in our kitchen, um, maybe just not as much sweets as we had for the couple of years. And did you find that, Andrea, too, that just when everyone was home, you were just cooking more, and so your time in the kitchen, as you say, was multiplying and for me, I just like couldn't do it anymore, you know, do it all, I guess is what I'm saying. And so my baking kind of slacked off then too. Yeah, I think having all the time at home in the beginning for me, it was really fun because it was like, oh, now I can do these recipes that have things like based every hour or, you know, (laughs) something that you couldn't Mm. do when you were in and out of the house a lot. Yeah. But over time, it was sort of like if one more person asked me what's for dinner tonight or what's the next meal or, you know, I just thought I just can't. Yeah. I just can't do this anymore. It did get a bit exhausting. Yeah. I hear you. But coming up in a couple of weeks, something that I'm super excited about and I have you to thank for, Mm. you might recall, I don't remember if it was for my birthday or Christmas, but one year you gave me a virtual gift card to a bread ahead baking class? Oh, yes. Bread Ahead, which is here in London in the Borough Market and where we have taken classes together. Yes. So, of course, we took that Scandinavian baking class. Wait, no. Uh, I took a Scandinavian baking class. You and I did puff pastry. Puff pastry. Puff pastry. That's right. (laughs) I immediately thought, no, wait a minute. There were pounds and blocks of butter. That was not the Scandinavian class. Well, that was true of both. (laughs) Okay, good to know. (laughs) There was some overlap. Yeah. I went online and I started looking at the schedule. And what I was really hoping to do was to take one of their holiday cooking classes. Yeah. They have an entire class on baking a Yule log. Still a goal. You can imagine. Mm -hmm. I was really interested in that. But they've made all of their holiday classes this year live and in person. And unfortunately, I won't be coming to visit you for the holidays this year. I took a look at their online classes. And what I'm taking is called an Italian baking class. And it's coming up in a couple of weeks. And it looks like we're going to make some different breads and pastries. And I don't think we're going to make pasta in that class, but I can't guarantee it. It had a a really great description. So I will maybe do a quick little follow-up in the Facebook group and and post some pictures. But I'm very excited about that. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Please let us know. Please let me know how it turns out. I will. I guess that's a nice cue for me to see if I can snag any spots in their uh, real classes for holiday baking. I'm probably too late. I was hesitant. I was going to say, oh, I know when I was looking. I mean, I couldn't attend them, so I wasn't focusing too closely on them, but I did see sold out on quite a few of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. People are so excited to be able to do those in person again. And, you know, Andrea, you mentioned Facebook, and thanks so much to our continuing fan base who have kind of kept the show going and kept that Facebook community thriving and growing in the year that we have been off the air full time and Andrea you and I are not active on that and we just kind of pop by occasionally to see how it's going but every time I do somebody's popping up with a beautiful picture or a question and the community is right there with answers and support so it's really lovely to know that 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 is going on strong. We really do have a great community and I know that would be my first place to go to if I had a baking question so I encourage anyone who is on Facebook and enjoys spending time in our group to continue to participate there because we do enjoy seeing you all over there. All right, Stefan, let's do a segment we're going to call Kitchen Catch-Up. Start out with some of the things that we've been up to in our kitchens. So I will kick us off and 
wind back to the summer. Now, I'm not sure if you were here during the heat wave of 2021. Was that the heat heat dome? Yes. Oh, yes. It was really bad. Yeah. Here in Olympia, in Seattle, I think in Portland, Oregon, it got uh, up into like 114, 115 degrees. Yeah. I, of course, prepared ahead of time by thinking, you know, what can I do to keep cool? The last thing I want to do is turn my oven on on this weekend. Sure. I pulled out my standard tried and true favorite summer recipe, and that is a fruit fool. Mm. I think the actual recipe I have is from a food and wine, and it's a raspberry fool. But you can make it with raspberries. You can make it with strawberries. You can make it with blueberries, whatever you want to do. It is the easiest, best summer dessert when you have fresh fruit. Quick little rundown on it. You take your fruit, about two cups. You macerate it a little bit with some sugar and some lemon juice and you smash it up a little bit (laughs) so that it gets a little bit juicy. And you let that sit. So I do that first thing in the morning. I let that sit all day. So the fruit releases all of those beautiful juices. And then you have people come over. You do whatever you need to do with your guest. And then toward the end of the evening, you pour your heavy whipping cream into a big glass mason jar. Mm. And you start passing it around the table and make people work for the dessert. Interactive. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If there's kids there, they'll usually jump right in on this. If there's not kids in there, then you find a a big strong person with nice biceps and you ask them to (laughs) shake vigorously. I just love the texture of whipped cream when you do this. I mean, you know how much I love my KitchenAid. Yeah. And I'm happy to do things in my KitchenAid mixer, but I like it when I don't have to turn on a machine after dinner. And I just also like the texture. It's just a bit creamier and not as stiff. Interesting. Yeah, and then you just layer it in uh, your glass. I I just use regular water glasses. You could use a parfait glass. You know, you could use any kind of dessert vessel that you like. I like the I like the glass so that you can see the layers. Yeah, and so you put a layer of the fruit, a layer of the cream, a layer of the fruit, a layer of the cream, and then you make sure you pour some of the juice over the top so that it's kind of dripping all the way down. And so light, so easy, always a hit gluten-free. It's not dairy-free because, of course, I'm using uh, whipped cream, but I think you could probably make it with coconut whipped cream if you needed to make it dairy-free. So big summer dessert success during the heat wave. Yeah, it sounds refreshing and cool and seasonal and quick. Yes, yes, all of those. Another one that I did that turned out really well was grilling fruit on my big green egg. Nice. Specifically when the peaches came into season and we had our beautiful local peaches, well, local from Eastern Washington peaches. And one thing that was a little bit different about this, I had grilled peaches before, but this particular recipe that I used had, I think, a little bit of balsamic on it. Mm, Okay. So it was, you know, a little bit extra when you, after you grilled them. And then instead of regular whipped cream, it was mascarpone whipped cream. Nice. And I had not added mascarpone to my whipped cream before. And now I'm like, hmm, I think this should be done on the regular. (laughs) That's quite delicious. (laughs) Yeah, it's like one of those things you learn and you're like, how have I been living without mascarpone whipped cream? The other thing I really got into this summer, I've never been a huge muffin person. Mm-hmm. You know, you have always made muffins and yeah. your kids like muffins. And it just really was never a thing for me. And for some reason this summer, I decided one weekend to bake 
Smitten Kitchen's Perfect Blueberry Muffins. And I tell you, once I started making those, I couldn't stop. I made them like every weekend for a couple of months. Now, part of it was because we get these flats of blueberries from our local blueberry farm, and they freeze so well, and you can make these muffins with the frozen blueberries. Yeah, perfect. So year-round then, too. Yes. The muffins freeze well. Uh, You can pop them out of the freezer in the morning or the night before and defrost them and have them for breakfast. So our whole family was loving those. So those were my summer baking successes that I wanted to share. I love it. And you have kind of moved outside of the kitchen as well. Now, do you use your big green egg kind of year round? We do. Yeah. I really think of my big green egg as just an outdoor oven. Yeah, right. But since I've shared my successes, I also must share my fails. (laughs) Thank you. That is the spirit, the spirit of preheated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The big green egg and uh, my um, insistence that it's nothing more than an outdoor oven. I do have to remember that it is an outdoor oven with a fire at the bottom of it. So I found a beautiful recipe for a lemon upside down cake. So you can okay. imagine how excited I was. You know how much I love lemon. Yes. We did a pineapple upside down cake on preheated that turned out really well. Yep. So I thought, this is great. It's a hot weekend. I'm going to do it on the big green egg. Yep. As you may know, upside down cake, the bottom layer is really just butter and sugar. Yes. And that's going to caramelize. Right. And if you're cooking it over an open flame, what one needs to do that I did not do is put in what's called in the big green egg a plate setter. So it's basically like a big ceramic disc to protect the bottom of the pan. Okay, right. But I forgot that step, and so um, I just, you know, put my pan right over the open grate, which is right over the fire, Okay. and I cooked my cake for, I don't know, 45 minutes at 350. I mean, it's still oven temperature, and it was so beautiful. You know, I lifted the lid of the big green egg, and there it was this beautiful, puffy, lemony cake, and I was like, oh, this is so exciting, and I used my oven mitts, and I grabbed the sides, and I went to flip it out, and the bottom was black. Burned sugar butter crust. Oh, that was carbon. It was so disappointing. <laughs> and my daughter was standing there and she looked at me and she said, Is that what you were going for? And I said, No, <laughs> no, that was not what I was going for. So I had to dump that whole cake yeah. just right yeah. into the trash. Yeah. I almost yeah. cried. It's one of those things where I guess you could have scraped it off, but sometimes that burnt flavor, it just it infuses everything. And then you would have just had cake, you know, you wouldn't have had any of the fun upside downish part of it. No, you're right. I t- did take a spoon and just take a little bite of the lemon cake part, but you're right. It just had too much of the sort of burned yeah. smokiness in it. So yeah. anyway, that's the wrap up of some of my kitchen successes and failures. How about you, Stefan? What's your kitchen catch up update? Well, one thing I am so excited and have to talk about is that I finally made Nigella's sticky toffee pudding. Now, sticky toffee is one of my favorite desserts here in England. And you can find really quality versions all over. Many pubs have that on their dessert menu. But I had never attempted it myself. Let me just tell you, it's fantastic. (laughs) Oh, it sounds so good. Just the name. Sticky toffee. And so I'm not sure if you know or listeners know, Andrea, but sticky toffee, one of the primary ingredients is dates. And so you kind of puree the dates and then you're making, again, you know, similar to your upside down cake, you're you're making a caramel cake while it bakes that kind of becomes self-saucing. 
But then there's also another butter, caramel, dark muscovado sugar sauce that you make at the same time. Oh, did I mention butter? There's plenty of butter as well. So if you thought this was sounding too healthy because of those dates, don't be fooled. (laughs) No, I'm not surprised. It's a little fiddly because you do have to bake it close to when you want to serve it because it needs to be fairly warm. So that's the only kind of caveat I would give when you're making nigella or anybody else's recipe. And um, the nigella recipe that I made was from her At My Table cookbook, and I believe it's available online. We'll link to it if it is in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 201. But anyhow, Andrea, if there was a fail with making that, it was that it it's very, very rich. And you probably want to serve it with ice cream. Oh. Mm-hmm. It made enough for, I don't know, 16? It was a huge pan of sticky toffee. And you know who mostly ate that was me. So <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I feel like it's something that would be good in little ramekins, but maybe not. There might be some kind of variation out there, some recipe for individuals. What it would be wonderful for is if you're having a dinner party and you had eight adults, maybe some kids, Yes, you could serve it. Because again, a little goes a long way. Yeah, It's made a huge panful, but if there's one thing to watch out for, it's just portion size on that. Otherwise, a fabulous, fabulous recipe. Mm. I'm really happy that you brought up muffins because I wanted to talk to you about a new winner in my house that you may also be interested in in yours. Oh, I can't wait. That is the chocolate chip peanut butter muffin from the view from Great Island. Now, Andrea, of course, we did, I think, at least two recipes from the view from Great Island. The lemon crunch bars, I know that. That was episode 85.5. And then also cold chocolate snacking cake from way back in episode four. Yes. I found this recipe during a frantic weekend when I had run out of ripe bananas. And you know my kids love banana muffins and I make them weekly for breakfast. And I was just scrounging around. They're really kind of particular about what other breakfast muffins they enjoy. And I hit on chocolate chip peanut butter muffins. A plus, 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 five stars, 100%. If you like peanut butter, I know your husband is a huge peanut butter person. You could also easily leave the chocolate chips out or maybe add craisins or some other kind of filler or do without. I think it would be fine. Oh, that sounds so good. And you know, my problem with peanut butter muffins in the past has been they're very dry. Mm. She was actually mentioning that in the text for this recipe and solved the problem because instead of butter, you use a veggie oil. And I really do think that helps keep keep them moist. They're fantastic. She has that wonderful feature on her website where you can go between U.S. and metric measurements, which you know I love for my kitchen scale. Oh, yes. Give these a try. And we'll link to these in the show notes too. But They are fantastic. Oh, that sounds so good. You know, when it comes to something like chocolate chips, what I have been doing with my muffins, because I'm making that banana chocolate chip muffin recipe. Yes. I'll do half with and half without. Oh, sure. There you go. And you still bake them all the same and same time and all that sort of thing. But if someone doesn't want the chocolate in it, then they don't have to have it. They can have one without. Andrea, the last thing I want to mention to you, because all the time I'm preheated, and just you and I personally, we're talking about books we love to read. And I've had a good friend, Krista Manigas. She has published a book you should all go check out. It's on Amazon, and it's called Paris Every Moment. And so if you love travel books, if you love, this one's a bit of a kind of a, a mystery, 
but I will not give anything away by telling you my jaw dropped when there was a huge plot hinge on, wait for it, nutmeg toxicity. <laughs> oh, and we know that's a real thing. We discussed that we, back with our eggnog episode. Yes. We have been talking about it since like season one, and it's so funny <laughs> that it cropped up for all four years we were doing the show regularly. And so when I was reading it, I just... It's not really a funny part of the book, but I was laughing because I thought, nutmeg toxicity, I know all about this. Do check it out. It's a delightful romp through Paris. And uh, then again, if if you are a loyal preheated listener, you'll know exactly what nutmeg toxicity is all about. One thing I love about that book title, Paris Every Moment, is that this morning when I woke up, I saw some pictures popping up on I have one of those Alexa devices in my kitchen and it will show, yeah. you know, this day a year ago or two years ago. And four, year, right. four years ago today, I was in Paris and it was popping up all of these pictures of the bakeries because, of course, that's what I took so many pictures of. Yes. <laughs> that's why we're friends. <laughs> the bakeries and the markets. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Andrea, I can't believe that was four years ago. I know. It feels like it was yesterday, and it also feels like it was 20 years ago. It's been such a weird time warp. I know. It truly has. All right. Well, we now have caught up on what we've been baking. What about what we're looking forward to baking this fall? I can tell you that pumpkin bread is high on my list. And, of course, pumpkin bread is on most people's list come fall, and, you know, pumpkin goes crazy in the fall. But I have a really funny reason why it's so high on my list this year. Oh. My husband's business partner likes to bake. Okay. One day he came home with this beautiful loaf of banana bread. And he said, hey, my partner made you some banana bread. Go ahead and try it. And it was all wrapped in saran wrap. And I didn't get to it for about a day or two. And I know that's kind of one of your deliberate tricks is that you'll make your banana bread, wrap it in saran wrap. Mm-hmm. So by the time I opened it, it was so nice and moist. And it smelled so good. Mm. And I cut a slice. I was going to have a slice for breakfast. And then I had a slice like an hour later. And then I had a slice <laughs> like at my, what do you call them? Elevens is. Yeah. I was midway through the day and I was midway through that loaf of banana bread. <laughs> I sent her a text and I said, this is the most amazing uh, bread I've ever had. Could you please send me the recipe? And I was trying to figure out why is it so good? Yeah. Well, she sends me the recipe, and right up there at the top of the recipe card, it says pumpkin bread. <laughs> what? I wrote her back, and I said, no, no, I, I want your banana bread <laughs> recipe, that that bread you gave my husband he brought home yesterday. She said, yeah, this is it. It's pumpkin bread. What's going on? And I said, oh, well, no wonder it was so good. <laughs> my husband wasn't paying attention, and he did not understand the crucial difference between banana bread and pumpkin bread, and so he told me the wrong thing. But what I find so fascinating about this story, it's kind of the opposite of when we've talked about bait and switch, (laughs) which is where you think you're getting something and instead you get something else and you're disappointed. Yeah. In this case, I do like banana bread, don't get me wrong. It's not necessarily like my top number one thing. Yeah. Whereas I love pumpkin bread. But in my head, I thought, well, I'm getting banana bread. And so that's just what my brain decided I was eating. You know, when I was telling my husband the story about it, he was like, well, didn't you notice it didn't taste like bananas? (laughs) I said, well, I don't know that I I picked up on that distinction. I just thought, wow, this is the best banana bread I've ever had. Well, the power of suggestion. (laughs) Yes. Like, if anyone wants to hypnotize you, I guess now they know how to do it. (laughs) 
But you know, they're both like really moist tea breads. Yes. So yeah. even kind of like a similar color if you're not, you know, uh, looking too closely. But that's hysterical. So did you then make the pumpkin bread recipe? I have, and it okay. has vegetable okay. oil in it, and I do think that is a big part of the yeah. moistness, and it's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. I will continue to make that through the fall. The other thing that I'm super excited about making this fall is pies. Oh, yeah. You know, last year at Thanksgiving, we ended up canceling our Thanksgiving plans and Thanksgiving dinner because of what was going on in the world. Yeah. I was just sort of really bummed out. You know, I hadn't realized how much kind of baking those pies was part of the tradition and the whole thing. And my husband and I were doing a little road trip one day, and we went through a coffee stand slash restaurant in a town about an hour outside of Olympia. I ended up chatting with the chef there, and he mentioned something about how he was baking pies for Thanksgiving. And I said, oh, are you, you know, selling those? Or I know the restaurant's not open. What are you doing? Mm. And he said, you know what? I just contacted a bunch of people and said, I want to bake pies. Does anyone want one? And, you know, people took me up on it. So I got inspired, and I went home, and I did the same thing. I contacted a couple of people that, you know, some of them, like – friend of mine, her husband was in the hospital. You know, someone else, something had just happened a lot. There were a lot of medical issues or, you know, just life circumstances where people were like, I would love to take you up on that. Every single person picked pecan, which I thought was really interesting (laughs) because I offered like three different, you know, choices. But I ended up making, I don't know, four or five pecan pies and delivering them. And it was so much fun. And then, of course, it was so much fun to get the text back from people where they were like, You know, some people said, I didn't even get a Thanksgiving dinner because of what's going on in my life, but I sat down and ate that pie and it, you know, felt a little bit like Thanksgiving. So that was super fun. And it just made me realize, you know, even if you're not having a holiday in the traditional way that you might normally do it, you can still recreate the aspects of it that are important to you. So I am planning on baking more pies this Thanksgiving. And if anyone lives near me and wants one, go ahead and speak up. Wow. Bold, bold offer. Let's see how many you get. (laughs) How about you? What are you excited about baking this fall or looking forward to? Okay. Well, this really dovetails nicely with your story about baking for crowds because for the first time in just about two years, I will be hosting my book club at my house in a few weeks. (gasps) And I'm so excited to have everyone back in the house and You know, we met virtually and we really kept it going. We read some wonderful books and we had a really nice community still going when we couldn't meet in person. But we just slowly started meeting together again. And so it's it's my turn to host. Andrea, I haven't hosted a crowd in so long. I I need advice. Okay, so here is my tentative menu and you need to tell me, is this like way too much food? (laughs) If everyone shows up, we're about 14. Okay. Okay. All right. So here we go. Sheila Lukens zucchini lemon bread from my favorite usa cookbook Uh, classic yes pumpkin scones from sally's baking addiction Mm. mincemeat banana bread from bbc good food interesting jalapeno cheddar scones from episode 24 oh and then maybe the pumpkin bun from episode two because it will be close to my birthday and i can then celebrate with these ladies as well but is that like way too much not enough savory i mean i'd probably also have of course Coffee, tea, some kind of fruit. Uh, you know, is this is this way too much? Is this not enough? I I am to- I I don't even know. Tell me what you think. <laughs> My first response is it's not too much 
if you cut everything into really small bites. Okay. One of my favorite ways to eat, and I'm glad to see some restaurants are finally picking up on this because I've wanted it for years, is where you can get like an appetizer platter or a dessert platter. Mm, And you just get a tiny bite of everything because it's so hard to choose. Yes. I wouldn't make those scones in the traditional scone size. I would make mini scones. Mm. When I cut the zucchini bread, I wouldn't cut like a regular slice of zucchini bread. I would maybe cut a regular slice and then cut that regular slice into fourths. Okay. People could just have a little bit of everything because that would be my challenge. If I went to that beautiful spread and I had to pick just one, I would be like, oh, I can't pick. But if I could try a little bit of everything, then I think it would be so good. Good point. Good point. I don't know. The pumpkin bundt cake on top of it all almost feels like a little <laughs> – it, it felt like that just tipped it a little over the edge. <laughs> you know, I felt that too, but I was just like, I haven't made a cake in so long. I want to have a cake. I want to have a party. I know. And also it's – you could say it's breakfasty, but it's also then – I think it's the third pumpkin thing. So that might be yes. also a little yeah. overkill on the pumpkin. So, okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. And I'm really looking forward to just like buckling down to some, you know, multi-day baking and I, I can't wait. Well, it's going to be a blast. And I think just all of you being together again is going to be so much fun. Dare I ask what book you're discussing? I don't know yet which book we'll be discussing when I host it because we have another one in between still. But I will get to choose it. So I have several in my queue. The Lincoln Highway by Amor – is that how you say his name? Amor Tolls? Oh, yes. I just saw that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wrote um, A Gentleman in Moscow, which was one of the favorite books that our club read a few years ago. So um, that's kind of on my list. And he wrote Rules of Civility, which is one of of my favorite all-time books. Yes. And I understand being out of practice. I found that I'm late for most live events these days because I've forgotten how long it takes me to get ready for things and what the sequence of of events is. So I think your book club will be fabulous. And I will just also encourage you to maybe give yourself an extra half an hour to an hour (laughs) to get ready. (laughs) Yeah, good, good point. That's some wise words. And maybe even a little extra time to do all the baking and get that, you know, set up and ready to party. Well, the timer's buzzed, and we've got to get the sprinkles on top of this episode. It was a blast to be back on the airwaves, and who knows, we may pop up again. So keep yourself subscribed to the show wherever you download your podcast. Be sure to check out our website, preheatedpodcast.com, which has a comprehensive archive of all the recipes we've discussed on the show over the years, and a full list of show notes and links for our over 200 episodes. Thanks, as always, to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. It was so great to hear that again. And be sure to check out the rest of her catalog on her website, annemarierussell.com, or on iTunes or Amazon. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. And I'm Stefan Cohn in London. Thanks for listening. Be well and sweet dreams.
Preheated is written, hosted, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stefan Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions. Woo! We did it! Pumpkin scones, pumpkin... Hang on. Okay, pumpkin scones, pumpkin... What else did I have that was pumpkin? Pumpkin.